0: Hello everyone. This is Martin Hugh, and welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, my guest is a founder, investor, and entrepreneur. Over the last 22 years, he's been the CEO and founder of three companies, notably Treehouse, which is an online technology school that has taught over 600,000 students how to code. He was also the founder and CEO of Carsonified, which threw some of the biggest conferences in Web2 with speakers such as Mark Zuckerberg, Kevin Rose, Gary Vee, and many, many more. At the start of 2022, he helped launch Proof Collective and Moonbirds as CEO of of the project ryan is currently working on a new exciting project called 121 g a fund focused on acquiring one of one's blue chip nfts as well as securing allowless access to the hottest upcoming projects so many exciting things we cover on this episode i learned a lot from his mindset how he stays calm during uncertain market conditions his meditation practice habits and much more on that note, please enjoy my wide-ranging conversation with Ryan Carson. Ryan Carson, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Man, It's been a while. We, last time we saw each other was in New York. I know. feels like a lifetime ago already. We, the, the market was quite different back then. <laughs> yeah, gosh, it,
1: it was. And, and it, was, it was different on last Saturday, and it's going to be different next Saturday. And it's, it's going to be a wild ride, that's for sure
0: question I have for you how do you stay level-headed with all the I guess the FUD going around do you, do you have um, some tips to give us yes um, invest for
1: the long term I'll tell you you know I don't want to make light of the current situation I think you know there's a lot of good people that are losing a lot of money um, and and that's scary and painful and and um, you know it's it's not to be uh, taken lightly But honestly, when the market started crashing, I I just wasn't concerned personally. Um, You know, I've been investing for years and years and years um, uh, in tech stocks. And I've always had a a very simple investing strategy, which is buy what you know and buy what you believe in. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, when, you know, I was lucky enough to buy a Tesla back in 2014, Um, as soon as I, you know, drove it for a while. I was like, I'm buying some Tesla stock <laughs> just cause you know, like this product is going to change the world. Uh, no one is more committed and, and bonkers than Elon Musk. So, you know, let's, let's buy a Tesla. So I, you know, bought a bunch of Tesla and it, it's been one of the best investments I've ever made and I've held it all through the craziness, you know, yep. I mean, I, and I still hold it and it's way down right now and I'm still going to hold it. And I literally lose no sleep. Over that. And um,
0: well, I guess it's the fact like, are you coming at it from like a, you know, a trading, day to day trading perspective, or are you really looking long term? And I long term. I'm I'm not a trader at
1: all. (laughs) I, well, I mean, and people aren't considering capital gains either. I mean, you really have to know what you're doing when it comes to short term and cap and long term cap gains. And, and, you know, unless you really know what you're doing and trading, you're going to end up losing a lot of money and, and, and probably damaging your mental health permanently um so
0: nf nfts same strategy long term speaking about mental health uh, i saw in one of the tweets that you put out recently you you deleted discord from your phone (laughs) yeah i've never been happier (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i love discord
1: you know so you know those that don't know who i am you know i was the coo of proof and moonbirds and was was you know, 110% involved in building the community of proof. And I love it. And I, and I loved it and I still love it. And so I was on discord. I mean, probably you were on there a lot, (laughs) 14 hours a day. Yeah. Um, And I loved it, but this, but it it started to, you know, mess with my family life and my personal life and my happiness and, and uh, decided, yeah, now I have a work phone and a, and a home phone and the work phone has Twitter and discord and, you know all an email, and then my home phone has none of that, and I literally turn off my work phone at five pm now every day and uh, and it's hard at first i I've, I sort of felt lost at first when I did that um, and now I'm suddenly into having time to think and and process and it's
0: it's a good thing. was that something you really recently thought about and it was implemented really quickly or it was something that was ongoing that maybe your family kind of talked to you about for a while <laughs> and then it's yeah, only well, after.
1: Well, my wife definitely talked to me and she said, I, I don't think this is going to go well. You know, <laughs> we, we've been married 18 years, so it, we're very much in love and have a great relationship. And but she sort of said, you know, if you're just going to work all the time, you know, what is the point? And uh, and I said, you're right. You know, I, I can't seem to stop myself from checking email or Twitter or discord if I have my phone on me and i said i'm just literally going to go to verizon today and i'm going to buy another phone um, and did it that oh. day and just kind of went cold turkey and so far it's working
0: happy to hear that i think like a lot of people would want to have the discipline to make a move like a, a cold turkey move like that but it's kind of hard you know when you're when you're used to something your habits are it's like at first you make your habits and then your your habits make you mm-hmm. and i think that's that's exactly what it is with the phone right like at first you check it because well, maybe you want to stay updated with Discord or Twitter or whatnot. And then eventually you're the one reacting to all those things. Right. And it ends up taking a lot of your mental space. And
1: then you can get really affected by things. You know, um, A lot of people didn't understand why I stepped down from Moonbirds and, and Proof. And I, I got a lot of flack on Twitter. And um, you know, it's hard not to let that affect you. And so if it's the evening or the weekend and you're reading this stuff, even if it's not based on facts, it, it still affects you, um, you know. And I'm just a person, and I have feelings and thoughts, and and mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and those things are very hard. So I've decided I, I need to compartmentalize my life a little bit.
0: Did um, the the meditation aspect like really help with that too? So to like, it
1: did yeah. So I started meditating at the end of um, last year, um, actually because of Kevin. So Kevin uh, has always been into meditation and you know he started Oak um the meditation app and um I had played around with meditation but never was able to commit and I thought you know I really think this would be helpful uh, I'm going to try to commit and so I just started doing the Headspace app um, once a day and um and I I've been able to stick with it and it's really fascinating um to to begin to Observe your thoughts and your feelings instead of experience them. And it's been good. Yeah, I feel like it's almost like flossing my teeth, but for my brain. Uh, Uh That's interesting. Yeah, and it's not at all like um, America is all about like, you know, self-help and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But it's not that at all. It's more about accepting.
0: It's a lot more a process of unlearning and letting go than like, like, like tightening up. And trying yeah. to get at something,
1: yeah, it's almost like learning to not think is so hard, and, and is very anti-intuitive for, I think, Western, um, you know, folks like me. So it's it's been great, and it hasn't fixed everything. I'm not like a new man, and you know, wake up, you know, everything's better. But it's it's I can tell it's it's a practice that if I can keep it going till I die, I think my life will be a lot better.
0: I think like we have stages in life where I, I'm sure. Maybe younger Ryan Carson, like that—that uh, that was super hungry at like building something. I don't know if he—he he would have—he would have carved out the time of the day to like <laughs> sit down for you know. Probably not. You know,
1: I used to be. I mean, I've, you're right. You go through phases. Like I went through my Gary V phase. You know, where I uh, woke up at you know three thirty every day and and worked out. I ran Spartan races and. Um, and that was good, you know, to kind of learn how to work hard and, um, and grind through things. But then, yeah, you just grow and you mature and yeah, you have a different phase. And, then now, um, you just realize that, you know, your life is short and I, we actually go on a walk, um, uh, all the time. There's a cemetery close to to my house and it's just beautiful. It's like right in the water. And, um, and every time you go there, you're just reminded that you're going to end up you know, in the dirt, like everybody else. And it's important to keep things in perspective. Um, and, and you kind of realize not, you know, no one's really going to remember your name. Um, uh, and pro- probably your grandkids won't even know who you are. So, so it's more about, you know, how can I build my relationships now and do something meaningful that I care about, um, but also realize like probably everything you do isn't really going to matter.
0: Um, it's this, it's this it's- both. Yeah. It's like the dichotomy of life. It's so, it's so meaningful, but so meaningless at the same time. At the (laughs) same time. It's wild. But but I guess that's what also allows you to, well, obviously tackle it head on, but not take anything really seriously. Hmm. You know, because a lot of times like people think, oh, you know, on my legacy and that, and and it's like, yes, of course, on one side, you want to have that ambition, but on the other side, it's also like you're, you realize that you're nothing in 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 the scope of the bigger things right. right I mean you're just a little speck in the universe and that's okay just to circle it circle it back to your your beginnings because I, I know you mentioned like you had your uh, hustling entrepreneur like uh, you know working maybe like 16 hours 17 18 hours a day and I know you used to throw some of the biggest conferences in mm. web 2 with carsonified what are you excited about uh, to see develop in the Web3 space in terms of IRL, or events, mm. or conferences?
1: Yeah, um, there's, there's so many exciting things that are going to happen. Um, I think proof of conference in 2023 is going to be amazing. And I think we'll see more conferences like that, where you know, we're going we're gonna to start decoupling our... Well, I think we're actually going to see a merging of our online personas and our IRL personas. And I think that's a good thing. Um, And so I'm excited about that. I understand anonymity and the the need for it sometimes, you know, I think it's very valid, you know, if you are uh, from a group that's been historically held down to be anonymous sometimes. I think that's actually valuable and important, you know, uh, uh, but if you're starting a project, um, I think it's important to be fully doxed. And and then I think seeing the, the space mature and seeing people meet each other in real life and have you know, Zoom calls or meet at a, at a bar and chat and get to know each other and network. I think that's good. And um, we'll actually see the, the whole space get lifted up as we build real relationships in real life. I mean, we met, you know, at the first proof meetup in New York City or the second, or the third. We met twice, right, at the first and second. Mm-hmm. And that was good. I mean, I feel like we have a real relationship now because we've actually met and the space needs more of that.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's hard to, it's hard to move away from the DNA of a human being, which is like, we've been hardwired for so long to like connect with people, Mm. like looking at people's face and like, we read all the emotional cues that there's no way we will read in a tweet or in (laughs) like, even sometimes like doing, I mean, this is the closest we get, but eventually I think it's going to get become like way crazier, like making all these like uh, online phone calls, like a zoom call, it's going to feel like you're actually there. Right. But exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. And this is a good thing. So I think IRLs is important. I think anyone who is newer to business, you know, is going to learn that the best business decisions you can ever make are to meet people in real life and build real relationships.
0: Can That's I, it. can I interject? Because you mentioned something that I kind of caught up. It was like in, um, in an interview you did with Kevin Rose, but way back then when he mm. was doing like these podcasts and so you guys were sitting down together yeah, and you were foundation. saying like, yeah, you were saying like, uh, one of the reasons why you kind of threw these conferences too is because like of the fact that you were suddenly like the center point from where each of these relationships stems from. So you were able to like, obviously, like get a lot of ROI from that, and mm-hmm. I think like everything that comes from life is about relationships. One hundred percent. Yeah, everything good that's ever going to happen
1: to us is going to be because of other humans we know. Period. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's important to to curate that and grow that and offer value to other people, and then you know it's almost like karma; it'll come back somehow. I mean, you know, the the whole reason I ended up being the CEO of Proof is because Kevin and I met at one of my conferences. And, and I offered him value by putting him on stage at a big conference. You know, He offered me value by speaking at my conference. And, and so it's, a, it's, it's, it's about helping each other. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you want to do business with people you like. I mean, why did I come on this podcast? Because I like you. I mean, you know. Thank you. Uh,
0: <laughs> I feel flattered. <laughs>
1: uh, well, that's how the world works. And so of I- IRL
0: is, is really important. Um, for for building your career. Side note, that was a really fun time in New York. <laughs> Those uh, at the after parties and everything. Oh yeah, that's where it all happens. <laughs> Any tips on? Because obviously, like you've invited a lot of speakers on stage um, when you were running like Carsonified. Any tips you've learned over the years to be a better public speaker or host?
1: Hmm. Um, you have to be really tuned into. You have to be very empathetic. If you're empathetic, you you, you can be. You can achieve a lot. And so I always kind of laugh at myself when I say this, but but probably the best book I've ever read is How to Win Friends and Influence People. And my mom gave me that book and said, hey, read this book. And, and I think if, if you can really tune in to how other people are feeling and what other people need, then doors just open up. Um, you'd be surprised. Like, uh, just encourage everybody who's listening, just try this. Next time you sit down with somebody, Let them do all the talking. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is weird because normally I'd be asking you questions and I'd be listening. And, uh, yeah, they, they, and I
0: see, I see you doing it that on Twitter Spaces too. <laughs> it's like you're you're the one, you're the guest, and then you end up interviewing the host. <laughs> yeah, because no, you know, everybody wants to talk about themselves. It, it's just
1: a very human thing, and so let other people talk about themselves. So, and it ends up being more fun anyway. You get to hear people's stories, you get to know them better, and uh, it's funny if you sit down with somebody and, and you ask them meaningful questions and you care about the response. You you actually are engaged. They'll walk away from that meeting going, wow, Ryan's really nice. And, and
0: they'll, and if you, they don't actually know anything about Ryan. Yeah. Um, uh, it makes but, me remember that quote that says, um, uh, what was it like, people don't care how much you know, they, people don't care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. Yeah, hundred
1: yeah. and, percent. And deep down we all w- want to survive and we care about uh, our own lives. And so let people talk about that. Um, that's how to be a great host. And then, and then, you know, what will happen is, is as you offer true value and you help other people and you care, then eventually doors open up, Um, and and that's why I've ended up where I am today.
0: And you kind of like took some leaps over time, right? And I think the first leap that you really took was like moving away from, if if I'm right, like from Colorado, Mm. where where you you used to live. So, kind of walk us through that. Like, what made you at that time, as a small kid that lived there, uh, that didn't really travel? Like what mm-hmm. made you just go, go like you know f this and like let's let's move to London? <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was interesting because
1: I uh, was going to Colorado State University and studying computer science. I had spent my whole life in Colorado. Um, I didn't own a passport, and um, you know, my parents got divorced, and I think as they were going through the divorce. Um, I also started to lose my faith. I, I used to be a, a very serious, um, evangelical Christian. And, um, and, and so my faith was starting to get sh- shook because it's like my parents were getting divorced and, and it, everything I believed, you know, there, I was seeing holes in it and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to get out of here and, uh, I'm going to go live somewhere else for a year and just like see what happens. And uh, honestly, I got the idea of London because I watched um, Notting Hill, <laughs> which <laughs> Great is a hilarious rom-com. It's super cheesy. You know, I, I love it. I love rom-coms. And so I was like, screw this. I'm just going to move somewhere. And I, I'm very good at taking risks um, because I think it's because I was raised in an environment where I was safe. And so I, I, I you know, taking risks was never too scary.
0: And so okay. I, thought,
1: I was like, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, I'll have to come home and I can get a job, you know, it's fine. And so just bought a plane ticket, and uh, my mom was sobbing when she dropped me off at the airport. Um, and I was like, why are you crying? Like, I'm going to come back. <laughs> and she said, you're going to meet a girl and you're never going to come back. And I was like, <laughs> whatever, mom, I'll be back. <laughs> well, I ended up being in the UK for 12 years. Getting wow. married, having kids, starting companies. And I never did come back. I ended up moving to Portland, Oregon um, after that. And then, you know, now I'm in Connecticut. So
0: my mom was right. Wow. Insane story. Yeah. Huh? You can't really say like where life will take you. No. And that's why like you never know until you take the leap. I, I guess like one of the things that I've I always try to keep in my mind is try different things, experiment, mm. right? Because yep. you could move technically somewhere now and that could. Completely changed the course of your life. Yeah, yeah. Mental
1: elastic, elasticity is very important. Like I hold opinions strongly but loosely, right? So as soon as like as soon as you change my mind with facts,
0: like I'm down. What's something that you had to reevaluate in the was, past months or two? Many things. Yeah, <laughs> many things. yeah. I mean, you know,
1: I would say, I mean, reevaluating my position at Proof. Right. You know, when I joined Proof, you know, Kevin and Justin, I thought it it would, it'd be a three-year project and we would work hard and it would be straightforward. And we never imagined that we would create, you know, what looks like it's going to be the biggest project in the world. And I think of reevaluating that and saying, oh, wait, well, is that what I want? You know, is this what Proof needs? You know, I think I'd actually be happier running my own venture fund. like being willing to admit what makes you happy. Um, mm-hmm. cause everybody was, was like, you're crazy for leaving proof. Like, why would you leave this rocket ship? And it's like, because I know myself and, and I know what's right for proof and I know what's right for me. And, and so being willing to make those hard
0: decisions, uh, is hard, but, but I, I changed my mind on that. Um, and, and so, I, I think like coming from someone that was like, inside of the proof discord from day 1 and we actually chatted like pretty early on mm. i think nobody really envisioned proof being becoming what it is no it, it's so funny because if you look at proof back then like when we had that first kind of um how, how do we call that like a town hall inside the discord
1: oh yeah we did
0: yeah I, it, it I was like i think that. it was like on january 1st we had this town hall <laughs> and there were like maybe 150 people or like yeah something like that that showed up and we didn't know we were going on this wild ride, right? And no clue. I think it's so easy in this space, especially in the NFT space, because so many things are happening at once and projects move so quickly that you can just come into a project and have this perception that like, oh, it was always like this, mm-hmm. right? I think it was the same thing with Moonbirds. I think when people saw Moonbirds doing very well, they thought proof was like that from the get, which yeah. which is really not what it is. like. Accelerated a thousand times.
1: I think as well, the, the, the key thing about Proof was that it was a real, is a real community. And, you know, Kevin was a charismatic, legitimate founder with a real community. So he built his following, you know, for over a decade, right? Podcasting, speaking, building companies, investing, um, and, uh, you know, and doing podcasts with Tim and his own podcasts and, and podcasts with me and, and, you know, to put in the work. And so we walked into this community going, I don't, we all didn't know it was going to be, but we knew it was going to be good. Right. And then, you know, that's why I wanted to join. I'm like, this is fun. Like this is a healthy, good community. I like building community. I can do this. You know, Kevin's busy full-time at true. Like I can come in and boot this thing up for him and Justin. And, and we were all in there being genuine and, and real, and I think that's what makes a good foundation for a project. Authenticity, doxed founders, real community. Um, and then you can build on top of that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like we're seeing projects fall apart right now and, and it's sad and terrible to see. And the reason why is, is and you look back and you're like, oh, there's no foundation. Mm-hmm. There's no real community there. Like everyone in that community is there because they like money. Yeah.
0: And that's never going to work, right? That's one of the things that was so interesting with Proof is that you know at that time I think that was the second NFT I got and like it was substantial money right yeah. like because cause <laughs> let's say at at that at that amount like oh um how how am I justifying being part of something for like <laughs> like I don't know ten thousand like yeah. 10, like ten grand or whatever and and like you get in and then eventually it was never about the money it was more about the community I thought it was super cool that we had. You know, not only access to Kevin, but to you, to Justin, and to all these people that were art collectors, mm. uh, pretty much, and, and it was like this kind of little group where you could manage the conversations too, because it was only a thousand people, right? I know. I think that's key,
1: is the, the Discord has been manageable and private, um, and uh, I, I had the same conversation with my wife. I was like, okay, I'm thinking about minting this NFT, and it's five ETH. And, uh, you know, it's like $15,000 and you're kind of going, well, that's bonkers. You know, um, it's an online club and (laughs) like, what, you know? So, and, you know, I don't think in dollars anymore. I think in ETH, but I had the same conversation. And then, but then I thought, you know, it's good to have some barrier because in a way it filters out folks who are are there for the wrong reasons. Right. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, the community was, was very genuine and, I loved how people would share like pictures of where they were in the morning, yeah. Um, You know, like, hey, I'm, I'm here's my office for the day, and they would be some interesting place, uh, you know, in the world. Exactly. Um, And I think that's when I realized this community is interesting, and I love it. Um, Exactly uh, that that's
0: that's what I guess from the proof uh, Discord was very different from other Discords I was part of is that you actually just had like normal, genuine conversation. It was not just about like, okay, what's the floor price? What about NFTs and all that? Like, yes, of course, there's some of that sprinkle in that, of course, but it's also, hey guys, like, hello from, I don't know, like, uh, you know, Trey Ratcliffe, he's so, you know, he always, yeah, New Zealand, he posed (laughs) these photos, are are gorgeous. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I know, and I think that's what project founders need to learn now, is that you can't short-circuit community, and you know, hype and FOMO is not how you build, you know, that's Im- important at some point, but that's not how you build a community. You build a community small and steady and and safe and legit. Um, and then you build on top of that. Right. And, you know, I like to remind people, Moonbirds didn't have a public discord, right. Mm-hmm. Pre-launch. It still doesn't have a public discord. You know, it launched essentially, you know, with a thousand loyal, excited, people and proof who believed in the project right and they believed in it because they were already a part of the community and um, i think we'll see the moonbirds playbook repeat and i think we'll see a lot of good projects that follow it um which is good and and these are the exact kind of projects that we're going to invest in
0: with 121g you know exactly that playbook can you tell us a bit more about 121g since that's like just a nice segue Sure. Yeah. So, um,
1: first of all, it stands for 1.21 gigawatts, um, which is from my favorite movie, Back to the Future. Um, and, uh, the, the, the tagline of the fund is the fund you wish you could go back in time and invest in, which I that's think is a, cute. That's a good tagline. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife thought of that. So I'll give her the credit. Um, you know, so it is an NFT focused funds and we're not buying uh, historical blue chips. Um, so I, I think there's some great funds that do that. You know, 6529 has a great, you know, blue chip historical um, art focused fund. There's another one called curated. I think folks are doing that. And, um, and honestly, I don't think I can offer unique value in that, you know, I think uh, either they can do it or if you're smart, you can buy historical art yourself. You know, it's not worth paying a 2% management fee and a 20% carry, but in my opinion. Um, so what we're doing is different. And you know, I learned a lot um, being a CEO founder for 20 years. And then I learned even more being the COO of Proof. And I learned even more launching Moonbirds. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think that gives me a really interesting and unique viewpoint where I can pattern match. And so what we're gonna do is deploy most of our capital On new projects. And the way I'm looking at it is, you know, we'll we'll be deploying uh, ideally into about 12 projects in the next 12 months. And I'm going to only buy into projects that have vetted, fully doxed, experienced founders uh, who have built a real community. And then what we're going to do, I'm actually going to interview all these folks. I'm going to have a podcast and I'm going to vet them. You know, and I'm going to have a real meeting with them (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm going to talk to them about their plans and their experience and their, their ability to, you know, hire effectively and, and allocate budgets and hit KPIs and, you know, and do all the things that real founders do. Right. And then, uh, if they pass our quality bar, then what we're going to do is invest heavily on mint day and we're going to deploy six, 700 ETH, um, on mint day. And then we're going to hold and the goal is to support those project founders. I'm going to meet with them every month and I'm going to ask them, you know, where they're blocked, uh where I can connect them, um you know, what they're struggling with and then I'm going to hold them accountable to key KPIs and and then we're
0: going to hold those projects uh, so we're not going to trade and flip. And I'm really excited about that. Is it a bit like and pardon me because like I'm I'm not that experienced with like all this uh, angel investing stuff but like Is it a bit like an angel investing or? It is. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's also, it's almost similar to an
1: accelerator um, Mm. where, you know, I'm going to have a very good pipeline because of my connections and the podcast to get deal flow uh, into the podcast and into the, into the fund. And then what will happen is we'll choose the ones that we think are the best bets and then we'll. Deploy heavy, you know, ETH into Mente, and then we'll hold, and then we'll support. So the idea is, it's almost like we're going to spot good talent and support that talent. You know, ideally for years, right? The the fund is a four year closed end fund,
0: and so uh, that's exciting. In the foreseeable future, do you do you intend on like making it more accessible to like a broader audience? Because I know I know that like there's also the limit, the cap of like 99 investors that you have to yeah so this is the problem with being legal um, yeah.
1: <laughs> the, the you have to follow laws and and you know the SEC is very serious about these things and you can only have technically a hundred accredited investors in a fund like this um, you can have up to 2,000 qualified purchasers which is a different uh, class of investor um, and we may do that but but right now we're just focusing on on each fund can have a hundred investors so you know I thought a 100 eth might be per investor, might be too much, you know, um, depending where ETH is, that's anywhere from, you know, three to $400,000 and that's a lot of money for a lot of people. But, but I also thought, well, I, I need to raise enough capital, you know, to deploy effectively and, and get a return. And honestly, I thought maybe I would get 20 investors and uh, was just blown away. You know, we completely filled the fund in seven days and raised $40 million. Um, yeah, that's crazy. You know, and and I've got a big wait list on top of that. So it's like, wow, I'm so honored that you know, very smart, wealthy investors are are entrusting me, you know, to invest for them, and and I can't wait.
0: And that sounds exciting. Uh, is there any way that we could buy in later on? Because no. I am working on building my <laughs> my thing. I, I want in at some point.
1: <laughs> um, the the cool thing is yes, and so the way it works is it's a, technically a rolling fund, and so every quarter. Uh, there is a new fund. But ironically, if I do really well, it'll be harder to get in because there'll only be a hundred slots and then probably the current investors will re-up. Um, but as oh, yeah. but if people trade out, which they will, you know, then new spots will open. And Martin, I will tell you if one of those spots opens.
0: Sounds good. <laughs> you, you also mentioned um, learning. You know, you you have this ability to pattern match because you've been in so many scenarios that I guess gives you the experience and like the, the reference to know when this is going well, or this is not go, not going well. And if we relate it back to learning, how do you actually learn? Are you like someone that learns from just doing? Are mm-hmm. you someone that learns from books? Or are you someone that like loves to listen to podcasts? Maybe a mix of. I am very visual. So I, my, my first choice is video.
1: Um, which is probably why I ended up starting Treehouse. So, you know, Treehouse, we taught 600,000 people how to code through video.
0: <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, so that, I just,
1: I, 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 I love video. I, I, it's easy for me to, to watch and understand and learn. Um, and then I love podcasts. I mean, I just am a voracious podcast um, listener. And I always listen at you know 1.5 speed, and it drives my wife crazy. Um,
0: so, People like just sound like chipmunks the whole time. Yeah, I'm like, I don't
1: care as long as the information gets in. I don't <laughs> care. Um, and then I talk, and so I'm a verbal processor, uh, and so I actually talk to myself.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm the same, really. Yeah, it, yeah. I just like I'll talk be, out loud. I'll be, I'll be in a room, like kind of a bit talking out loud to myself to. To make sense of my thoughts. Yeah. Because it's just like they're inside and like, I kind of have to articulate them. Yeah.
1: Oh, good. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. So <laughs> yeah, I just talk to myself all the time and I walk around like, so it helps me to walk and talk to myself. Um, and, <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah. And then the 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 next thing I do, I love. A Gantt charts. So I use Asana for project management because I can use a Gantt chart to lay it out visually and understand all the dependencies and and, and when things need to be done and what effect they have on each other. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, but that's the primary way I learned. The other thing is meeting people and listening to them and absorbing what they have learned. Um, so, you know, some of my favorite questions are, what's something hard that you've learned? You know, what's something you've learned has change your life and just, you know, I'm like a sponge for information.
0: Mhm. That's probably why you've been such a great host too. Because I you guess? ask questions.
1: Yeah. You're curious, Lo- love to
0: listen. I read on the treehouse website that at the time you were serious about table tennis. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, that. That was a that was a moment in my life. Um I
1: actually got this hilarious device. Um what's it called? It was called like a pong master or something. And you could put it on the end of the table. And it, oh, Robo Pong. And it would fire ping pong balls at you. Okay. <laughs> so, and so you could, and actually, ping pong is a very good uh, sport for exercising. Just so if, if anyone wants to get super fit, you just have the Robo Pong send you volleys to each side of the table and you have to hustle and
0: build up some good sweat. Did you see that video of like Bruce Lee uh, playing <laughs> yes. with ping pong? There you go. Yeah, 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 that's that's how he got fit. It's a serious sport. (laughs) People don't (laughs) knock it. (laughs) So, table tennis. Are you into like other sports?
1: Yes, I I love sailing. So, uh, sailing is just so much fun because it's completely analog. Um, You know, it's all about wind and water and you know physics, and it's just nothing like you know Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) so it's just really yeah and it's all consuming like when you're sailing you just can't like multitask and i I can't be somewhere else you know you have to be very present so um it gets you into a flow state as mm, they would say yeah yeah it's it's and it's a little scary
0: sometimes so it's challenging
1: um so that's why i love sailing
0: do you find there's a difference between flow states and like meditation itself because sometimes you know because because sitting down and meditating is one thing. You feel, you know, you feel calm. You feel, uh, you feel grounded. But like the, the flow aspect of like being in a sport is almost like you don't feel the time passing. There's, mm-hmm. you just don't know anything else that's happening around you. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the same thing about meditation or is it different?
1: Yeah. You know, when I started meditating, I, I remember, you know, um, you start off at like two or three minutes and it, it just feels like forever at first. And then I remember the first time I did 10 minutes and I was thinking, Oh my God, 10 minutes is forever. And it kind of was. And then, and, you know, this morning when I meditate, I was like, wow, I wonder how long that was. And it was like, you know, 11 minutes or something. I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. That's weird. So I, it, I think there's similarities, but meditation is just so unique compared to any other activity where you're actually like learning to not think and not achieve. Uh, it's very interesting. And I, I was just hanging out with my friend Logan um, on a video call today. He essentially manages Tyler Hobbs mm-hmm. um and and he's a really interesting amazing person and and he is a very accomplished I don't know what you call him, meditation person <laughs> <A> <laughs> I meditation guess. expert I don't know um, okay yeah I guess and, like a guide yeah and so we, we ended up talking about some things and and he was talking about how um meditation is like a cup of water where you know you can take a big drink in the morning um, but then it's helpful to sip it the rest of the day. So you know, having little moments of being present and meditating throughout the day, um, mm. it, you know, is, is just a really great way to be more in the now. Yeah, and, and kind of just being reminded throughout the day. I mean, even now, it's like, oh, okay, I, I'm going to feel my feet touching the ground as we talk. I'm going to be a little bit more present.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, uh, huh? unless you really like, you're really aware of it. Like, that doesn't happen. No, you, can end, you
1: end up realizing you're never present. You know, like, I just realized that. Like, where was it? Where am I? Like, <laughs> I'm here. Like, I need to be here, you know? And like, yeah. feel my desk and focus. And I am mean, focusing, but it's, it, it's strange how your mind often is never quite where you are.
0: One thing I was so curious to ask you about is um, you mentioned on, again, that I think it was a foundation podcast with Kevin. You mentioned level ups in the mm. company. Like, yeah. So, so you you said like it was kind of (laughs) like an alternative to boring reviews and all that stuff. Yeah, is that still a way you consider useful to get Um, staff motivated? Or it's funny because I I tried so many
1: um, you know novel management techniques, um, and that was one of them. And sometimes novel management techniques are 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 born of naivete, right? You just haven't managed a lot of people before, and there's there's like a reason why the system exists. So level up sort of worked. Um, but it turns out like HR is the way it is for a reason and you really shouldn't mess with that a whole lot. Um, so, mm-hmm. so no, it didn't work. Um, we also tried a four day work week, um, for the whole company. We did that for 10 years actually. And, uh, yeah, like a true 40 uh, four day work week where it wasn't, you know, four tens, it, it was, you know, four eights. And, um, and that worked and it was really interesting. But then that un- uh, unwound a little bit because we had to push really hard during one season of the company and I just couldn't get enough energy to do mm-hmm. that. Uh, we also tried no managers. So we basically ran a DAO. The company <laughs> was sort of a DAO before anybody knew what a DAO was. That must have been interesting. <laughs> it, was, it was fun for like two weeks. <laughs> and then I was like, holy shit, I can't get anything done. You know, And I'm the CEO. I mean, and you see, I mean, I, I know you know a lot about DAOs, and th- there's very good aspects to DAOs, and there's a very bad aspect to DAOs, and uh, I would say, you know, a for-profit company, it it just you really have to know what you're doing, and you probably should end up with delegated voting and all sorts of like mechanics that could make it work, but we we did not do that, and and uh, it, it didn't last very long. So
0: kind of ties into this idea of full decentralization, like is that a utopia that people are like looking to reach at some point, but there's always going to be some sort of element of centralization in my head. Like there's no, there's no way that like the best decision is always the decision made in a group. Like Sometimes somebody knows way better about like sailing, (laughs) like you, if I was on like, like if we were sailing, I'd listen to you and and we wouldn't be having a vote. Like, should we be doing (laughs) this or that? Should
1: Martin be the skipper? (laughs) No, definitely not. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think groupthink works, you know, but, but I don't think that's really what web three is about. Web three is about actually having ownership, you know? And I, I think when you, when you realize, oh, I can actually own these assets, like these mm-hmm. aren't, these aren't, you know, cute coins from Facebook. These are real assets and I can take them wherever I want. Right. Um, that's the power, right? And tokenizing every asset on, on earth is is going to change everything. You know, obviously you know that and I know that and probably everybody listening to this knows that. But, you know, it was very real the first time I encountered this, which was in proof, where, you know, someone started saying, I want to start a DAO to buy proof passes. <laughs> yes, sir. <finish. laughs> you, know, you know, I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't like it, but... I can't stop it. And actually, that's the whole point of this. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to get on board and just embrace this. And it was a lot of fun. And, you know, everybody in Proof for DAO has done very well. And, and it hasn't ruined the community, you know. So, but the real power was you owned your proof passes and we did not. And so, you know, mm-hmm. Kevin and Justin and I couldn't control that. And uh, we didn't
0: try. There was actually like this new thing that came out—the mirror, uh, mirror of the proof past thing. Oh gosh, things like that are are gonna keep popping up because we're in kind of like a a jungle, I guess, like a free for all, wild west, and people are gonna come up with ideas, yeah. and you just yeah. have to deal with them as they come.
1: But but the uh, the funny thing about mirror, and for everybody listening that doesn't know what that is, like essentially there's tech now that can kind of stream a Discord to another Discord. Um, but you're but anyone who believes in that like is completely missing the point of a community. You know What makes proof valuable is the actual people in it. Um, it's not the discord. It's, that's ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. And so the real value is in the relationships. I mean, why are we doing this podcast? Well, because we're in proof together and we built a relationship. Why uh, am I interested in, in things like Rickhouse Dow and, and why do I care about people in proof because I have a relationship? And you can't stream that. You can't hack that,
0: right? That's one of the things that I guess when people come into the NFT space, like they, they're kind of impatient about is building mm. a true community. It's not just like okay, one project. Uh, I have an idea for a ten thousand PFP kind of an NFT project. Now I just launch it and I I hope for the best. Which mm. at the time when it was like a crazy bull market and everybody was buying into anything. That kind of worked, you know, yeah. but not anymore. But not anymore, and and like it's just not a sustainable way to do it. Even more so, like a community is something you'll have long term for the rest of your life. You're yeah. always going to be able to, I guess, like to grow with that. I, I talked to um to my girlfriend who's also an artist. The one thing she struggled with is like, should I start with like building my community first and then releasing my art as an NFT? Well, I said like, you know, why why not do both? You know, if mm. you can, you know, mm. like like actually. Make content about your process on all these other social channels, whether it's Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, Twitter, obviously. But like, just start building your community and release little things one by one. One follower is better than zero, and then it's it's gonna build up from there. Yes, exactly. And you
1: don't need to have a huge community to have a meaningful life. You know, I think you can make you can be very happy and make more than enough money with a community of. A couple hundred people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you don't need to make millions of dollars. Like, it, it just isn't necessary for human happiness. You need to rise up Maslow's hierarchy to be above the bottom level, and then you can go to the next level, which is, okay, our main needs met, yes. Okay, now I can go towards actual, actualization. And th- th- that act doesn't mean more money at that point. That means doing something that you feel is meaningful, that is appreciated by people.
0: And you can do that with a couple hundred people that truly love your art. I agree. We live in such a special time right now, which is that we can actually do that. In the past, like 50 years ago, there was no way an artist could actually, you know, build a community of 200, 500 people. Now it's possible.
1: And and receive royalties in perpetuity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like That's mind blowing, you know? And I think uh, Lucrece is such a good example of an artist who you know has he's now a big deal but you know for a long time he had a small community delivered a lot of creativity and love and value to that community and, and he could have stayed that size and and still been very happy and done very well he's gotten bigger now but um i remember the first time i got i went into the monsters discord and it was like oh this is like a family like this isn't this is not like just a bunch of people these are people that when someone comes in discord they they like ask them questions and they talk to them and everyone's like, who's this new person? And you know, (laughs) um, it's just so exciting um, to see, to see artists actually be able to build wealth.
0: As a new person, let's say coming into a discord, that's one thing, but new people coming into the NFT space right now, where should people start in your opinion? How should Mm. they start? Well, that's I a think, that's a very like loaded question and pretty general, no, but no. I hope you can roll a, with it.
1: It's a good question. I think, I think what's going to happen is we'll see more projects like V Friends Two bring people into the space. So what probably will happen is that we're going to have larger brands and larger personalities who have communities, right? You know, take any TikToker or any YouTuber or any you know B list celebrity or or anybody who you know, is passionate about sewing and has a, a, you know, a small group of friends that sew, I think they're gonna start to realize, oh, like I can actually create a community here. And then what they'll probably do is, is launch, you know, a higher count uh, project that makes the, the mint price accessible in the hundreds of dollar range, right? Mm-hmm. And, and those folks will probably onboard through, you know, a Coinbase NFT or something, that has really easy fiat on ramps and and then they'll buy that first nFT and then it kind of goes up by a little bit and they're like, "Whoa, like I actually made like fifty bucks or a hundred bucks like this is kind of cool, and I think that's how it's going to happen um, mm-hmm. you know we need to see the UX of wallets get a lot better we need to see the discord get better too yeah we <laughs> need to see discord go away like i mean yeah we, I mean discord is a disaster um you know, it really is. It's
0: like unsafe. It's scary. The UX is terrible. If yeah, I mean, it, that's that's also the the biggest challenge I had with onboarding new people into NFTs. It's right. like yeah, ma- make a Discord account and like they're like, what the hell is this? And then they yeah. go in and join this server, and they they're just like, this is anarchy. It's chaos. <laughs> I, I'm never touching this again. <laughs> it
1: is. It does. It is anarchy. I mean, it's like this is terrible. So. And I mean, this is another reason I'm bullish on proof. I know that, you know, Kevin and Justin have, have plans in the space and, and uh, I think it's good. And so we'll see it mature, you know, and there's other projects like islands, which is a discord alternative. And so that'll get better wallet. UX will get better on ramps will get better. Projects will get more accessible uh, for mint price. And, and then I, th- I think where it really takes off is community. I mean, I just think people, humans, you know, we've evolved to need to be in a tribe And, um, once you find your tribe and that tribe, you know, creates value. I mean, just look at us in proof. We're, we're a bunch of crazy people. Like, (laughs) I mean, I love proof. It's probably the community I love the most in the world. Right.
0: And we're just a bunch of NFT collectors. So, you know, imagine what's possible. I remember like specifically being in New York. And just being like, this is crazy. Like, if you told me that f- five <laughs> months ago we would be meeting up with like people we just met on Discord and like chatted together on Twitter spaces, and it happened. And it was yeah. like such a good time. And we we were all there for the right reasons and mm-hmm. we we just uh, connected. Yeah.
1: And you knew you'd be included. Like, you knew you were a part of uh, something special where, uh, you know, No, everyone was going to welcome you. I I do think that's what's really special about Web three is the 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 walls, like the political walls, seem to have evolved, like just dissolved. I have no clue what anybody believes politically, and proof, and I -hmm. don't really care, right? Because we have we we like each other as humans, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's special,
0: and I I think this
1: it's new, and I
0: love it. It's really because of people like yourself, like Kevin, like Justin, that built such a, you know, cause I do want to give credit to where credit is due. Like, I think not a lot of people know, like how much of your time you actually spent in proof. And I know that Moonbirds wouldn't be nearly what it is today w- if it wasn't for you. Oh, so like, thanks. to be honest, like uh, really props for that. And thank you for, for like what you do continually. And even thanks. thank you for, for making the time to do this today. Oh, of course. Yeah.
1: No, I, I served the proof community because I wanted to, and I believed in it and I still believe in it. You know, that's the most beautiful thing about community is, is you can't fake it. Right. Um, and so the, the, the work that I did there as the COO, I did it because I love the community and I still do. And yes, it worked out, you know, and it was a lot of fun and, and, um, you know, it allowed me to launch my funds and there's a lot of good things I received from that. But, um, you know, the team very much does love the community and believes in it so
0: but thanks for saying that appreciate it you're welcome and and the cool thing about this space is that it is this space like we all bump into each other one way or another we're all Mm. the same people interested in the same things like even though you're not the ceo of proof anymore i know i'm going to see you at events i know you like we're we're going to get to to hang and it's going to be awesome (laughs) i know know. it's kind of fun as well because it kind of goes to show like the value of
1: owning assets like yes, I'm not an employee anymore. And if in a traditional web two sense, like you would, I would lose all my connection, you know,
0: it's true. Huh? I, I haven't
1: even thought about that. And, and I still own two proof passes and I still own my Moonbirds, and I am a part of those communities, even if I'm not the COO, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and Kevin and Justin, and I are still very good friends and everything's fine. Uh, but, but if, if it was a web two thing, I would
0: be an ex employee,
1: you know, and it's like, it's just well exactly
0: like you, you wouldn't be really chilling at staff parties. No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like what is he doing here? Right.
1: <laughs> but but no it's like well wow yeah I and mean, we're all still together. It's great.
0: So. Yeah. Looking forward to that and um I again like I'm I'm telling you I'm building up and uh going to see you in the 121G fund at some point. All right. I got that spot for you. Um but but meanwhile you know looking forward to hanging out in New York. Yes sir. Thank you again for taking the time and um See you next time. Sounds good. Take care. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please consider leaving a review for me. Um, it's always super helpful to get that kind of feedback uh, of what I'm doing right, what I could improve. And uh, so if you can take 13 to 35 seconds of your time to share some thoughts with me, I really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening. And uh, until next time.